Can we give just thanks to God in this moment as we gather and worship? Why don't you grab a seat? Boy, and as you grab a seat, you know, uh, 2018 has a nice ring to it, doesn't it? 2018. But I don't know, ever since I was a kid, I always thought a new year was just an odd thing. Uh, I don't know if it's just me or if any of you uh, resonate with this, but, it, you know, I felt like it was like this fresh start, this, this you know, clean slate starting over. Nothing different on uh, the 1st of January than it was December 31st, but it just felt like, oh, it's like I, I get to start over. I'm a new person. I wiped clean, right? Like culturally, I think that there's this idea that, okay, it's a, you know, you get to start fresh. And I've noticed, especially with social media, that uh, the new year, uh, we, we put so much hope into it. Uh, so much so that uh, we personify it even. Uh, there's a friend of mine uh, who I met over the last year. He's, he's not a believer. And uh, he had this great uh, post on Instagram. It said, Dear 2000, I mean, it's basically a prayer. Dear 2018, make me hot. <laughs> and then uh, somebody else posted something similarly. Uh, Dear 2018, uh, make me the fittest I've ever been, but please don't make me go to the gym. And there's people, you know those like Bitmojis on the, have you, have you downloaded that yet, Bitmoji, where you can like create your own like character and you can send things and some of you are like, yes, I know, it looks just like me, you know. And, uh, and there's this one of like, um, my brother-in-law from Texas said this to me and it's literally him in character form blowing up 2017 with like a TNT, you know, like. Like, that's a thing. Like, we, we were so done with 2000. How many of you are just glad 2017 is over, right? For so, yeah, what is it, okay? It's like, it's a year, uh, and we're like, okay, we're done now, the new year. Now, I'm just curious, how many of you are the resolution-making type? Put your hands up. Okay. Now, maybe some of you that don't have your hands up are like, my resolution was not to put my hand up every time Drew says put my hand up, because it's all the time. Okay. Okay. Uh, now, how many of you have already broken a resolution like I have? Mike, oh, oh, do you mind sharing what it was on the spot? Well, well, you can think about it. You can think about it. Nice. Okay. Sorry. I just put you. Mine was two. wanted to get in the gym. Mike wanted to get in the gym. Why? You, do you need to? I need to. Okay. You need to. Wanted to get in the gym. So you didn't post the Dear 2018 Make Me Fit. Don't make me go in the gym. So you're going to the gym. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh, and your wife is saying, got to get rid of the dad bod. Only you can say that. We, we will not say that. Yeah, thank you. This actually leads into the sermon very well. We didn't plan this. But so you didn't, you didn't go. You want to read scripture every day. So both those things, you ha it's already, it's day seven. You had the flu. You had the flu. Think life happens. You do have excuses, yeah. Can anybody relate? See, pastors are not like, we're not like this. Yeah, that's good. You know, it's so interesting because you don't have to wait for another year uh, to get a clean start, a fresh slate. I love in the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, 23 and 24, it says, God's mercies are new every day, every day. So maybe some of you have made resolutions and you're already discouraged, you're like, oh, I gotta wait till 2019 to start the Bible 
in a year reading. No, you don't. You can just, there's, there's new opportunities every day. And I think that uh, we live in a culture that sometimes um, we look to the new year as our savior sometimes. And when we do that, we can, uh, we can miss the power and the, um, the opportunity that God affords us through faith and trust in Him. And we've been thinking about this sermon series, this four weeks in January. What if, what if you were to imagine, what if God made a resolution through you? Because if you're a child of God, and some of you, I know, you haven't put your faith yet in Jesus Christ, and, and hopefully as you hear this, maybe uh, the love of God would woo you to to say yes to him for the first time, whether you're in person or you're joining us online or even listening after the fact. Uh, But what if God wanted to make a resolution through you? Because the truth is, if if you've said yes to Jesus, God's spirit is in you. The most powerful force in the cosmos resides in you. In the book of Romans, it says, the same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in you. So on one hand, we get seven days in and we're like, oh, I can't do it, right? Uh, I too wanted to read scripture. I wanted to journal. I wanted to do all these things. I've just had a cough. I don't even have a flu. And I haven't, you know, and it's easy when I rely on my own strength, those resolutions, we can hit those dead ends. But what if God was to resolve through you individually and collectively as a church? And so we're going to explore four verbs in January that I believe prayerfully that God is saying, Belair Church! Individually and collectively, this is what I resolve to do through you. And the first one is this. It's to see. So why don't you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's a red book right in front of you. Or if you're in the front row, there's a little cubby right behind your leg. And it's our pew Bible. Brother Ron, welcome back from Texas. You've been gone for a month. People thought they stepped in your role of finding the uh, page, but you're back. So uh, I haven't even said the chapter. The, the, the. How do you know what I'm going to say? Oh my gosh. Thanks, guys. 838, that's how you do it. Okay. Luke 6, I'm going to read for us 39 all the way through 49. This is the last three parables that Jesus uses to summarize the most famous sermon that's ever been delivered. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. This is how he puts the uh, exclamation point on the whole of that teaching. Luke 6, beginning verse 39. He also told them a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take out the speck in your eye, when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor, again, does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorns, nor grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. 
and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil. For it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, hears my words, and then acts on them. That one is like a man, a person building a house, who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood arose, the river burst against the house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not act is like a man or a person who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, immediately it fell, and great was the ruin of that house. This, my friends, is the reading of God's Word. All right, so let's, let's, let's interact with this in our hearts and our minds for a little bit. You know, what's interesting is uh, that first section, that first parable of the three, it's, it's one that I can remember as a kid, one of the first, I think, sermons I think I can recall from my childhood. You know, we went Christmas Eve, we went Easter, occasionally we started going more and more as I got a little bit older. But I distinctly remember this, this metaphor, you know, of a log in a person's eye and a, and a speck in the other. And it's so curious how Jesus uh, uses this to summarize the Sermon on the Mount. Take a look. It says this, can a blind person guide a blind person? I'll paraphrase. When you're blind, can you do eye surgery on somebody else? And he goes into it. Will not both fall into a pit? Verse 41, why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye? Let's pause there. Now, uh, the Greek word for neighbor right there is actually, it's interesting that we've chosen to translate it in this version into the word neighbor because it's actually the word for, for brother. Uh, it's actually a word that's used to describe not somebody far off or somebody different than you or, or your neighbor down the road or, or like some other people group or type of person far away. It's, a, it's why do you notice the speck in your, your family's eye? in the community of faith. And it's so true that as we go through our life, it's so easy to notice even the people who are closest to us, their flaws, their hurts, their hang-ups. It's, it's as if the closer we get to people, we, oh, we begin to see, oh, wow, that's annoying. I mean, how many of you, uh, tra- let's just say, how many of you traveled uh, over the break? Okay, anybody, uh, anybody visit family? Okay, I know some of you resolved not to put your hands up. I'll just assume another 30 of you, okay. Uh, uh, maybe just nod your head. How many of you got a little tired of your family um, or close? Oh, hands just went up. You didn't even need to nod, okay. Yeah. And there's something that uh, Jesus knows about us as humans. I mean, yes, Jesus is fully human, yet fully God at the same time. Uh, experiences what it's like for us to be human. Scripture says, was tempted in every way that we were tempted and has this perfect wisdom uh, and says, here's the truth. We go through our life and we always look at the other person and we say, man, you got this and this and this and this and this wrong with you. Because he's not talking about dust or, or a splinter or an eyelash or uh, a gnat. He's talking about faults. He's talking about uh, shortcomings. And it's so easy to, man, with family, with loved ones, to just get so irritated 
And I don't know what it is about a speck in somebody else's eye that somehow gets under your own skin. How does that work? But Jesus says there's this thing that you do, apart from God's help, on your own strength, you find the fault in others. And many of us, I think the reason why we do that is because we know deep down that we've got our own stuff, and it's so much easier, it's so much more convenient to, to put the attention on the other person. In fact, actually, in uh, debate class, I remember in, in high school, one of the best ways they taught us in debate was you get the person off of you and you criticize their critique. Do you have people in your life that do this? Are you a type of person that does that, where you, you, you turn to the other person, you make it all about them, or somebody brings something to you, and you're like, well, yeah, but in 1994, you said this, and you did that, and they're like, no, this is about you not taking out the trash. <laughs> What's going on? It's interesting. The word that Jesus uses, the Greek word for the word uh, speck, is a Greek word that at that time was a word for the smallest known amount of wood. It's like a splinter, okay? Take a look at this. In verse 41, why do you see the speck, the smallest piece? I mean, it's the tiniest thing. The fact that they load dishwasher detergent in first, because that's not the right way to do it, right? Or, or the laundry detergent. My wife and I, our first argument as a married couple uh, I put in the laundry detergent first, turned it on. You know, you get the soaps. You do it the right way. <laughs> then you put the... It's the right way. Thank you. Thank you. Right? It's the right way, right? I'm single, but, I'm but you're single. Okay, so here's a tip here. Here's a tip here. Okay. Okay. You should have gone the other way. Well, may, perhaps, okay. Uh, but uh, there was a lot of people in this room that said, that's the right way, so you never know. So, but my wife... She put in the dry clothes first, and then she poured the, what? She poured it on. What? Is that the right way? What? That's the right way? It's the right way, if that's how your wife wants to do it, or your <laughs> significant other or loved one, or right? And so, for, as weird as this is, as weird as this is, as weird as this is, it got under my skin. This little thing, are you kidding me? It's a little splinter of a thing. It's not even a, it's not even a mistake. It's just a thing. And I, and, and, I, and I noticed that, and it was so weird. And I'll just, I could go on and on about friends in my life and family and, and coworkers, and, you know, and it's so easy to look at these little, little tiny things, and Jesus says, why do you notice that little thing when you've got a dokos in your eye? Let me hear you say dokos. At that time, in the Greek language, it was a word that was used to describe the largest piece of wood that you could find, a beam, a massive totem pole. Uh, look up right now. I mean, those are some big load-bearing beams, uh, not made out of wood, out of steel, of course. Massive, right? And so what's interesting is Jesus is saying, uh, They've got specks, little things, and you've got a big thing in your eye. And here's what's interesting. He goes on, he says, you hypocrite. Now, what's interesting, in the Greek language, uh, the word hypocrite is the same word for actor. <laughs> what? It just, it's just a, it's just a fact. What? It's just a fact. It's so, at that time, uh, the same word for hypocrite 
an actor. It was the same word. And over, you know, over the millennia, we've added more and more uh, meaning onto the word hypocrite. We've added more and more meaning on the word actor. Uh, but in the original sense of the word, the best actors were the best hypocrites. The best actors were able to portray something so much different than themselves. Have you seen The Darkest Hour yet, this film that just came out by Winston Churchill, Four Days? Gary Oldman? Isn't that the Breaking Bad dude? Is that the same guy? No, different guy? Who's Gary Oldman? <laughs> Gary, are you here? I'm so sorry. Um, but like, I'm watching this and I'm like, that's not Gary Oldman, is it? Is that Gary Oldman? That's not Gary Oldman. Who is that? That's not Gary Oldman. And Gary Oldman is playing Winston Churchill. And I'm thinking, it's, it's, it's more than the makeup. It's, he's such a hypocrite because he's, as an actor, he's perfectly portraying somebody different than himself. And some of the best actors and actresses in the industry, you watch it and you say, whether you know them in real life or you've seen them in different roles or you've seen them in interviews, you're like, how on earth did they transform into this, this different character? And so Jesus says, apart from God, we're all acting. We go through this life and we do it in different ways but we portray something different on the outside than who we really are on the inside. And he says that naturally, without God, what we often do as we do that is we notice other people's faults first, even if it's very little, when in actuality you have a huge beam coming out of your face. Now, you think about this, this metaphor. I mean, it's just crazy to think about, you know, how Jesus would would say something so like, um, so, uh, you know, like common in every, oh, um, you know, I mean, just think about, oh, now I actually did it. Um, you mean, think about how de uh, distracting, debilitating, I'm, I'm trying to be a hypocrite right here, I'm trying to act. <laughs> Don't give up your day job, you're saying, but... You know how bad that is. You're in a job interview. You're about to sell your, oh gosh. No, it's happening right now. It's the president. I got something in my eye and you're like this. Yes, I graduated from Gordon Cromwell. Yes, you know, or you're, you're proposing, you know, and something gets in your eye and you're like, will you, hold on a second. You know, I mean, think about how debilitating, it's impossible to live. It's impossible to go through life. Even with the littlest thing in your eye. The tiniest thing, it could be an eyelash, it could be a piece of dust. And what's so crazy is you never see it. It's right against the device, the, the thing, the organ in your body that's used for seeing and you can't see it. Isn't that true? It's not like there's something in your lower back or behind your knee. It's on your eye and you can't see it. And you have to say to somebody, can you, can you, can you see this? And what's so fascinating, what Jesus says, look, open those Bibles back up, and he says in verse 42, or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take out the speck in your own eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? He's saying you're not only acting in front of other people, you're not only putting on a front to other people, 
You're not only going through life with your family and your friends and your coworkers and people at church coming across like, oh yeah, I'm good, I'm fine, I'm reading the Bible, I've got integrity, I'm loving, I'm caring. You're not even going to put it on a front with other people, you're putting it on a front with yourself. Because Jesus says you don't even see how you're even an actor to yourself. And I think that every single one of us has different reasons why we do that. I think about why I do it. I think about the many roles uh, that I play in uh, life, and I'm not talking about as a pastor, I'm talking about as a son. I want to be a, a, a loving son, a good son. I want to be a, a faithful husband, a, a strong, confident dad. Uh, to friends, to extend family, to neighbors, to people I've never met before, as the head of staff, uh, as the senior pastor. You know, I, I, I play all of these roles in life, and often what I do is I, I'm quick to acknowledge, you know, I've got some, I've got some faults, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I've learned to do that, but you know what I'm doing? Is I'll go to the surface things so you don't have to see my deeper things. I'll say, oh, yeah, you know what? I, I struggle uh, with, with um, you know, I, I'm a people. How many times have you heard me say I'm a people pleaser, right? You, you, for all of you, you've now resolved not to put your hand up. You're done with it, right? Um, you know, and, and I say these things or I say that, you know, sometimes I've got this or that. And, and what I don't share is that deep down I'm terrified that I'm not enough. But deep down, I'm terrified that I'm not enough to my wife, I'm not enough to my kids, I'm not enough to my parents, I'm not enough to this church. And deep down, I'm terrified. And I think that I'm going to be the senior pastor that's going to cause this church to finally fold. I think that I'm going to be the dad that's going to cause my kids to be messed up. Uh, I, I think that if I get too close to friends, if one day I'm just going to let them down so it's just easier to keep them at a distance... And as I try to manage all these relationships, it's, it's overwhelming, it's impossible. And so what do I do? I just say, oh, yeah, I've got a little bit of this. What, how can I help you? How can I pray for you? And it's so much easier for me to, to get all that junk buried in my life by talking about your junk. And Jesus says, Drew, you are being blind, doing eye surgery on the blind. Can you imagine if I was your surgeon going into surgery right before the anesthesiologist was about to put you under, and I walk in, and I'm like this, hey, how's it going? It's going great. This is going to be great. It should just take about two hours. It's great. We're going to go in, you know, to the side. We're going to get to the heart scalpel. I mean, you would be terrified, right? On my own strength, that's what I'm doing as a human being, when I don't rely on God's strength, when I don't use God's spirit in me to serve, when it's on my own strength, I'm a blind surgeon. When I give you advice that isn't lined up with God's word, it's like a blind person doing surgery. I love how scripture says that, Danielle, where are you? What verse is this? That God's word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Romans 13. Romans? What page number, brother? <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> You'll find it. Hebrews? Hebrews? I like this. Okay, so whenever you find it, 
I love how Scripture says that, that God's Word is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Whoa, Hebrews 4.12? Okay, later on, take a look at Hebrews 4.12. And remember that for a moment as I, as I say this. Jesus says, you notice people speck in their eyes. Uh, you've got a log in your own eye. What he doesn't say is what pop culture says right now. He doesn't say, you do you and I do me and we're all fine. Uh, he doesn't say, that's not a speck. Don't say this is a speck or a log. Uh, you don't have problems. He, he doesn't go down that route. He acknowledges there's something that's in your eye that's getting in the way. And you think about a load-bearing beam, think about what it's holding up in your life. Think about it for your own life. What is the load-bearing uh, beam of your sin, your brokenness, your selfishness, your hate, your bitterness, uh, your fear, all the things, are, what, what is it holding up in your life? Is it shame? Is it that you feel like you'll never measure up? Is it disappointment? Fear, sorrow, bitterness? Discouragement? Is it hopelessness? Jesus ends this little section in Luke 6, and he says, first take the log out of your own eye. He says it's there. Don't say it's not there, and it needs to be taken out. And then, this is what he says, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. He says, you know, there's something in your life and in your friend's life and in your brother and sister's lives that's getting in the way of the life that God longs for us to live. But it doesn't start by looking at that speck, and I'll tell you, it doesn't start by looking at your own log or beam in your own eye, because some of you are so terrified to look at the brokenness in your life because all it does, perhaps up to this point, is it just leads you to guilt. It leads you to shame. Maybe for some reason how you were raised, or maybe even your faith background uh, the last thing you want to do is talk about your brokenness because you get overwhelmed with shame and guilt and sorrow and, and you beat yourself up and the last thing you want to do is acknowledge that. Well, it's not about looking at the speck in others' eyes. It's not about looking at the log in your own eye. It's about looking at another beam, another pole. Because what's amazing about Jesus is that He noticed uh, the specks in our eyes. At the end of uh, Luke chapter 2, he basically says that no one can be trusted. You can read it later. But he doesn't come with condemnation, doesn't come with hate, doesn't come with you've got to fix yourself. What does he do? He climbs that beam, which is the sum total of all the logs in our eye the sum total of all of our mistakes, the sum total of all of our selfishness, the sum total of all the wrongs that we've done and the, and the good that we've failed to do, all of it is sum totaled up into the cross. And Jesus goes to the cross not as a victim. He goes victorious. He says that I'm going to do something about this beam, this thing in your eye, in your life that's holding up all the shame and the hurt and the sorrow and the bitterness, the thing that's causing you to be manipulative, to be controlling, that on the outside you're a good moral person, but on the inside you're, you're so frustrated because things aren't playing out the way you want. Jesus says, I'm going to die on that cross. 
I'm going to defeat death. I'm going to be raised from the grave. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to rip down that beam in your life, and I'm going to take with it all the shame and all the sorrow and all the fear, and I want to walk with you as a follower of me to clean up the rubble so that together we can remove the, the effects of that beam in your life. How many of you uh, right now, forgive me, I have like the 15th question. Um, for those of you who are reading through Scripture this year or who find yourself opening up God's Word, perhaps in this season you would look at it this way, that you would look at this as an opportunity to, to put a mirror up to your life, that you would see this life that God longs for you to live. As that section ends, as I read earlier in the Sermon on the Mount at the end of Luke 6, he says there's a difference between people who just hear my word and put it into practice and those that just hear and listen and take notes but don't put it into practice. That perhaps you would be a person that would allow God's word to be a mirror to your life to say that, you know, the way that you're treating your kids, where you want them to be perfect, rather than they, them knowing that they're loved, doesn't line up with, with God's longing for your life. That as you would hold up God's word, that, that, that revenge that you want to take against that person that wronged you so many years ago, that, that actually you're the one enslaved. That as you read through Scripture, that it would be God's word that would be the mirror up to your life. I've found personally that it is God's word in community that I can see clearly who I am where there's people whom I've entrusted the right to speak into my life, who are humbly confident. They're humble because they know they're broken. They're confident because they know they're rescued in Jesus, who can speak truth into my life and say, Drew, that's just fear-talking, Drew, who open up God's Word and use the scalpel of God's Word and carve out the brokenness of my life and speak truth and love. You know, that's why we have life groups, so that you don't have to figure this out on your own. You can open up God's Word together, and what a great time in this season. Rebecca is overseeing our life groups, and we're going to be launching in this Lent season uh, meals with Jesus that we would sit down in homes and even at the church, and we would share meals with one another, that there would be this great leveling playing field, whether you're, you're sick or healthy, rich or poor, whether you've got kids or not. We all need to eat. We need to eat physical food, and we need to eat the nourishment that is God's Word. And to do that together, what an opportunity. In a moment, we're going to go to the table, and it's a reminder that Jesus chose to go to the cross for us. And so my hope and my prayer has been, as we've led up to this moment, that God would make a resolution through you. to see first and foremost His great and glorious love for you. That He comes to you and says, yes, that's broken. Yes, that's, that's hateful. Yes, that's, that's not how I want you to live. But Jesus says, but I love you anyway. I love you more than you love yourself. And I want to redeem you and rescue you and set you free from the shame and the guilt and the sorrow. And it once looking at Him that you would be set free and then you would with God and by reading God's Word and perhaps even in community that you would look at your own brokenness, the things that it's so easy to bury, your quick temper, 
your laziness, your lies, your deceit, your lack of faith that God can actually do something good in your life. And the amazing thing Jesus says is as God begins to transform you, God will actually use you to help set somebody else free. I love how it ends that you'd be able to see clearly so that you could help remove the speck in somebody else's eye. It feels so good when you've got something in your eye and somebody comes up to you and says, no, I see where it is. I can help you. Let me help you get it out. And it gets that and all of a sudden you're like, oh, yes, I can see. It's such a great feeling. How good does it feel when somebody actually comes alongside you and says, you know, this thing that you've been carrying, I want to walk that journey with you. Perhaps this is the first year in your life that God will use you to set somebody else free. Do you believe that? That actually God might look at you and say, you know, you are the perfect person, not Drew, not a pastor, not an elder. No, no, you are the perfect person that God wants to use in somebody else's life in 2018. It could be a friend, a coworker, a roommate, a family member. God might use you as an instrument to set somebody free this year. That's why we exist, for the revival or renewal of every person, neighborhood, and city. Let's pray. God, what a loving thought that you see our brokenness and you do something about it. That you don't condemn us, but you instead...